and preach for us on the 27th of that same weekend. And you will be blessed. You will be excited that you got to be a part of that and that he's going to be here. I know that I am. So register for that if you haven't already. Well, 2019, you made it. You made it to 2019. Who would ever thought uh, that we would be in such a year called such a name? But here we are, 2019, and, and I always look forward to a new year uh, because that means I'm still alive. And uh, it also means that God has something new in store for us again this year. And uh, for you, for your family, for our church, He's got something new for us, and I can't wait to see what that is. Uh, I'm always excited as we start a new year to see what God is going to do. And so what I want us to do is we approach this new year and we begin this new series today that we're calling Just Ask, uh, is to spend the next few weeks focusing on the power of prayer in your personal life, in your family, in our church. Uh, I talk to a lot of people that share with me struggles that they have uh, when it comes to their walk with Jesus, uh, with being a Christian, with being a follower of Jesus, people will often share with me, you know, the difficulties they face, the struggles they face. And uh, many times people have shared with me their struggle to maintain a healthy prayer life and to uh, 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 be people of prayer like the Bible tells us to. And I believe that if every single one of us were totally honest today, each of us would probably say our prayer life is not where we know it ought to be. Uh, It's not exactly what it ought to be in our lives as followers of Jesus. Uh, I recently read one theologian that said this, if you really want to embarrass a Christian today, just ask them to tell you about their private prayer life. And and, and what's scary about that is what we looked at last week. And if you weren't here last week, uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus even said himself, we were over in the Gospel of John uh, last week, and Jesus said himself that apart from God, he himself could do nothing, right? Jesus, the Son of God, he even said, apart from the Father, apart from my Father, I can do nothing. Nothing, And the main way that we access God, access the power of God, access God's help in our life is through prayer. And all we have to do, Jesus says, is just ask. All right? It's really and truly is that simple. And so this morning, our focus is going to be here on the Gospel of Luke. Matter of fact, we're going to be here next week as well. Uh, And I want to show you today how Luke goes out of his way. All throughout the gospel that he writes, he goes out of his way to show us that the source of even Jesus' power, the key to Jesus' ministry, was through prayer. Luke continually shows us uh, that Jesus' whole life was saturated in prayer. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he shows us Jesus praying at his baptism. In chapter 4, we see Jesus praying to get himself through the temptation that he faced. In chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, he tells us that Jesus went off alone by himself to pray. In chapter 6, verse 12, we see that Jesus, before he chose his disciples, he spent the night before that in prayer. In chapter 9, verse 18, before he presented the important question to his disciples when he asked them, Who do you say? 
that I am. He spent the afternoon in prayer before they entered into that conversation. And a few verses later there in chapter 9, after the disciples had made their declaration, which basically was putting their lives at risk, Luke tells us that Jesus took them all up on to a mountaintop to spend time in prayer. And so now we find ourselves here, after we've seen this pattern all the way through up to where we're at now, Jesus in prayer, we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11, and I want to pick it up in verse 1 this morning. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Here he is again. What's he doing? He's praying, right? And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think this is, this, is so, this is amazing to me. I mean, if you think about it, after all that the disciples had seen and experienced with Jesus, I want you to think about it. They've heard these powerful sermons, right? They've heard this incredible teaching. They've witnessed Him performing these amazing miracles. And this is what they wanted to know more about. Right? It's not, you know, they didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to preach the way that you preach. They didn't come to him and say, Jesus, teach us how to teach the way that you teach. They didn't come to him and say, teach us to do these miracles. But the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because they recognized that prayer was the key to everything that Jesus was doing. Right? They recognized that prayer was the key to, to all that was taking place and that they were experiencing in his ministry. Even all the way to the cross, Luke makes a point all throughout this gospel, even to the very end when Jesus is on, a cross, on the cross, Luke makes a point to tell us that in Jesus' final breath that he breathed, he was saying a prayer. And, and so the point that Luke seems to be making is this. If Jesus felt like he could do nothing on his own, right? If Jesus felt like that he always had to be driven to prayer to do the things that he needed to do, then why do we go through our lives praying so little? Why do we, why do we struggle so much with, with finding time and a place to, to be in prayer? You know, hopefully we don't think we're more capable than Jesus, right? Or, or we're somehow better than Jesus to think that we don't need this prayer in our lives. Uh, over the summer, we looked at uh, all summer. Matter of fact, uh, we did a series out of the book of Acts we called The Movement. And, and uh, uh, what's interesting about the book of Acts and what we're looking at today is not only did Luke write the gospel of Luke, but he also was the author of the book of Acts. And again, over in Acts, we see Luke continue uh, to point us toward the importance of prayer in our lives and in our church. And we saw as we studied all throughout the summer uh, there in the early church that prayer was their foundation. It was the prayer of every, it was the foundation of everything that they did. It was the secret behind their growth and the movement going forward like it did. In Acts chapter 1, we saw in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Luke tells us that they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 4, 24, they prayed. Prayed 
for an outpouring of signs and wonders. Acts chapter 6, they were devoted to prayer. Acts chapter 9, verse 40, Peter was praying for the sick. Acts 12, the church prayed for Peter to be released. Acts 13, they're praying when God raises up missionaries. Acts 14, 23, they appointed their elders through prayer. Acts 16, 25, Paul and Silas are praying in prison. And Luke concludes the book of Acts by describing Paul's ministry as preaching healing and praying right and and you can literally find the church in prayer in every single chapter uh, of the book of Acts it was the key that opened the door to the power that they experienced and what God did through their lives and through the the movement And, and here's my concern today what was fundamental for the church back then I believe today has become optional in the church today and and it's sad but I believe it's true What was fundamental for the church when it began has now become an option for many people who call themselves followers of Jesus today. Uh, And I'm afraid that we, uh, what we do is we pray as we're about to go do ministry, right? we, We pray and we ask God to bless what it is we're about to do. Right? Or 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 in instead, what what did the early church did? Well, I have to slow down sometimes because my mind is faster than my mouth. I often my family, just they, they'll just go, because I'm bad to talk and start a story and then just pause because I get sidetracked with something and they'll just be sitting there going. <clears throat> so sometimes I have to do that uh, up here. But, but the early church, what we see in the early church was they weren't praying asking God to bless what they were doing. They weren't praying, you know, on their way to do what it was they were going to do. See, prayer was their ministry. It it was their ministry. It wasn't something they did to kind of, you know, get get things ready for for ministry. Prayer was their ministry. In Acts chapter 2, we saw 3,000 people get saved. Right? Was it because they had an awesome evangelism conference? No, it was because they had spent the 10 days prior to that praying for that. Praying that people would be saved. And don't miss this. What we find uh, in Acts is this. It's more important for us to talk to God about people than it is for us to talk to people about God. And I want to say that again because I think we get that confused sometimes. It is more important for us to talk to God about people than it is for us to talk to people about God. It all begins with prayer. And we see that all throughout the book of Acts uh, time and time again. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the point of the whole series is going to be talking about prayer and how important it is for us to pray. So here's the question that I want to ask this morning. So if we know all that, all right, everything that I just told you, none of that was new to any of you, probably, right? Unless this is your first time to ever walk into church and hear about prayer. None of that was new to you. So let me ask you this. Why do we struggle so praying? Why is it such a struggle? Well, why do we have such difficulty finding the time, finding the place, you know, to be people of prayer? Well, why do most people admit that their prayer life is far from what they know that it ought to be? And here's the deal, and we've talked about this before in talking about prayer and Bible reading too. Most of us would point to it being a problem of self-discipline. 
that we just have not disciplined ourselves well enough to do these things. We think we don't pray enough for the same reason that we don't work out enough. All right? Uh, we think that we don't pray enough for the same reason that we don't stick to a diet. Right? And I wish you all the best on those diets you committed to this past week. I've already blown mine, so we're moving on. But, but we often think that the reason our prayer lives are not what, what they should be is because it's a lack of self-discipline. And, and, you know, I know you, and right now some of you are probably thinking the first Sunday of a new year, you know, he's going to talk to us about, uh, you know, making a New Year's resolution that we'll pray more throughout the, the new year. And, 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 and I'm not. I'm not asking you to do that today. But today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the reason I believe we don't do this. While we don't pray, and it will be painfully honest, but more than likely it's going to be the truth. Because for many of us, we're not really sure. If we were perfectly honest, and none of us would be in church. <laughs> but we're not just real sure how much good it does to pray anyway. If we were honest, because think about it. You know, uh, none of us wants to admit it, but sometimes we pray and things happen. Right? Sometimes we pray and what we prayed about happens, but sometimes you pray and nothing happens. Right? And and then sometimes you don't pray at all and you forget to pray and it happens anyway. All right? And, and so, you know, I believe this is why so many people struggle with praying. And don't miss this. This is what I love about Luke chapter 11. It's the reason we're looking at it this morning when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. All right, he begins by giving them some initial instructions. He gives them a, a model prayer there, basically, to use that we're going to look at uh, more in depth next week. Uh, but then he goes on, after he gives them some basic instructions about prayer, he goes on to tell a story that deals with what he knows about us that will be our greatest obstacle when it comes to prayer, and that's unanswered prayer. Right? And, and like I said, this is the reason that some folks have just quit praying altogether. You know, and it may be the reason that you or maybe somebody in your family has given up on church altogether or given up on God altogether because you prayed a prayer that you thought surely any loving God would answer that prayer. Right? I, I mean, surely He would. And then things didn't turn out the way that you'd planned. He didn't answer the prayer the way that you thought it should be answered. And so there lies the struggle, if we're honest. That's where the struggle lies. But don't miss this. It's clear that Jesus was fully aware of that, that Jesus knew that, that he knew this would be a, a source of frustration, if you will, for us in our prayer lives. He recognized that it would be the primary obstacle in our prayer lives. And so here's the good news for you and for me, that means that there is not something wrong with you, number one. All right? There's not something wrong with you. So let's just stop and let that sink in for just a minute. If we feel this frustration and we found ourselves in, in, in this place, right? there's not something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're an evil person or that you're an unbelieving person or that you're not even cut out to be a Christian because you struggle with with prayer, all right? This is a natural struggle, and Jesus knew that it would be, and so that's why he talks about it. That's why he addresses it. So the first thing he does in teaching the disciples about prayer is to address this issue he knew that we all would have. And so let's pick it up at verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend 
and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Okay, because there's no 24-hour convenience stores back in the day, all right? Back when this was taking place, all right? Verse 7, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. It's midnight. Did you notice? It's midnight, and he's coming, and he's asking for bread, right? Don't wake up the kids, Right? Any of you live in that house? You do whatever it takes not to wake up the kids because you don't want to go through that again. And see, they, they didn't have five-bedroom houses back then. They all were in the same room. They all in the same bed together, more than likely. So don't come knocking at the door at midnight waking up the kids. Right? And, and I'm thinking, is bread really an emergency in the middle of the night anyway? Right? But this is a story that Jesus is telling to make a point. All right? Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, don't miss what Jesus is saying here in this parable. This man gets his request. This man gets his bread. Why? Remember, Jesus is teaching them right now about how to pray. And he tells this story about a man getting his request granted, why? Because of his boldness and because of his persistence, right? And this is the story that Jesus tells. Then Jesus goes on in, in verse 9 to say this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And this whole analogy that he, he speaks to here in verse 9 of knocking reinforces the idea of this persistent asking. I mean, when you knock, you don't just walk up to the door and hit it once, do you? I, I mean, if somebody came to our house and, you know, just hit the door one time, we would never think to go to the door. We would think just another armadillo running into a gutter, right? I mean, we, we would never because that's not how you knock. I mean, when you knock, you don't just walk up to the door and hit it one time. So Jesus says here, knock. And if no one comes to the door... Keep knocking. And again, he's teaching them about what? Prayer. Okay, he's teaching us about prayer. And I don't know why if it's God's will that he's going to answer our request that he don't do it the first time we ask. I don't know that. We sang earlier about, you know, I don't have all the answers. He's got all the answers. So you take that up with him when you get to heaven. Ask him why he don't answer the first time. I don't know why it works that way, but there's no doubt right here that the point that Jesus is making is crystal clear to us. God only grants some things in response to ongoing and persistent prayer. All right? That's what he's saying. That's what the story is all about. Now, real quickly, I want you to flip over to chapter 18 here in, in uh, the Gospel of Luke because I want to show you how Luke records this same essential teaching on prayer twice. Jesus addresses this again. Why does, he, why does he address it again? Because he knows this is going to be our greatest struggle and the thing that we're going to struggle with a lot. So here we go again. Luke chapter 18. Look at what Jesus says starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, another story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. 
And then there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. Verse 4, For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think about me, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> right? Other translations say so she will quit come bothering me and bugging me. Right? And so Jesus is saying here again the second time, this is just like us praying to God. Alright, it's just like that. There's not some complicated formula to follow when we pray. It's not about saying all the words just right and having them in the right order, right, and figuring out the key or the formula to get God to move, you know, the way we want Him to move. It's not that. You know, Jesus is saying here, if you want something from God, now call me simple-minded, but I believe Jesus is saying, if you want something from God, just keep hounding Him. Huh. Right? Keep banging on the door. Keep asking, you know. He's saying, if an unrighteous, selfish judge would grant a request from a persistent, nagging woman, <laughs> right? And if a sleeping, stingy friend will eventually get up, and give you bread just to shut you up? What he's saying is this. How much more would a loving heavenly father who loves you and cares about you, how much more would he give you if you were persistently asking him? Right? How much more? Now, I, I want to point out just a few key things here about these two stories that Jesus used to teach us about prayer that I, I think are important to all of us today. The first is that both of the people in these stories were desperate. They obviously were out of options, right? Ever been there? Where you just were, had run out of options? Well, uh, you know, these two people in these two stories, that's kind of where they're at. They're out of options. The first man has nowhere else to get bread, and the woman has nowhere else to turn for justice. Right? And one of the things that keeps us from praying is our failure, I believe, to recognize how utterly desperate we are for God's help. That He is the only place that we can get it. He is the only resource that we can receive it from. And we're desperate for His help. Right? And we, we talked about this last week, but often we think that we can do it, right? Because I got myself out of that mess last time. I'll get myself out of that mess this time, right? And we think somehow we can work it out on our own. We can try a little bit harder and get through it. We can come up with a better plan this time. You know, we can rework the budget so that it works out and we can make things work out. But none of that is going to get the results that we want or the results that we need when God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. It doesn't matter how hard you try, how often you re rework the budget. You know, how you think you can change things. God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I read this quote this week from a book called The Praying Life written by Paul Miller. I wanted to share it with you because I believe it's spot on. He says this, If you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. Think about it. Is that not so true? If you're not a person of prayer, if you're not praying, if prayer is on the back burner for you, then you're quietly saying that time, money, and talent are all that you need. In life, you'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy to pray. 
But if, like Jesus, you realize that you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find the time. And, and I want to... I don't really know why I went this direction. I believe God wanted me to speak specifically to parents this morning. Because we often think that if we can get this parenting thing all figured out, then our kids will turn out okay. Right? If we can just figure out how our crazy little kids' minds work, then we can manipulate and control them, and we can make them turn out to be all right, right? And get them going down the path that we want them to be on. And, and so, you know, but, but here's the deal. Any hope that you have in your kids being okay is not going to come from your parenting skills, it's just not. Your most successful parenting will take place when you're praying for your kids instead of trying to control your kids. Your most effective parenting will take place when you're on your knees lifting your kids to the throne rather than trying to control and dictate everything that they do in life. All right, that's when you will be an effective uh, parent. And, and I'm telling you today that prayer is the most effective tool that you have available to you today for raising your kids. Same with your marriage. Same with your marriage. You can read every book there is about marriage. You can go to mine. Uh, mine no, hold on, let me say this grammatically correct. Lynette and my marriage class. You can go there. It's awesome. It's good stuff. We're going we're gonna to help you a lot uh, when you sign up for that and, and go to that. That's, I'm not saying it's not good, but what I am saying, if you're not saturating your marriage in prayer every single day, then your marriage will never be what it should be or what it could be. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it without His help. Our only hope is in the mercy of God in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, and in this world. And when we get that, let me tell you something. We will pray desperately that we need His help. We desperately need Him to help us raise our kids in this world we live in today. We desperately need Him to be at work in our marriages, in our families, because Satan is doing his dead-level best to tear yours apart. We desperately need Him. And when we understand that, we will pray. We will be people desperate to pray. And we won't be too tired. Or we, we will find the time uh, to do that. The, these two people in Jesus' parables have one absolute conviction. This person has the power to help me. And you're the only one that I can go to. I have nowhere else to go. And that's us. That's us. That's the desperation that you and I have for Jesus. That's the reference he's making here in these stories. The second key to prayer is this, is praying with boldness. Praying with boldness. Jesus said, if this is how they came, think about it. If this is how they approached a stingy friend, if this is how a stranger approached an unrighteous judge, how much more boldly should we come to our Heavenly Father? Right? Who loves us. Who cares about us? This woman approached this judge as a stranger. Think about it. We come as a beloved child of God. Right? We're not coming before a stranger, bringing him our needs, our concerns, and where we need help. 
We're not coming before a stranger. We're coming before loving God. The judge that we approach is not one that doesn't care about us. Okay? The, the friend that we approach in prayer is not asleep, is not trying to run us off. Right? Because our Heavenly Father, He never sleeps nor slumbers. He's so attentive to what's going on in your life. Scripture says He even knows the number of hairs on your head, and He knows when one falls off. That's how much attention He has given you. He's looking over you. He cares for you. And when we understand that is going on, and that's how He feels about us, then we will approach Daddy boldly with our questions and our needs, right? Think about how your kids approach you with things they want or things they need. They don't have any trouble coming to you in the middle of the night, waking you up from a dead sleep, asking you for a drink of water. <laughs> right? I mean, how many of you have been woke up in the middle of the night by the dumbest questions? Huh? They don't have any trouble coming to you and asking you that. They're not scared. You know, just go in and wake them up. That's how we are to be with God. Our, our Heavenly Father, He loves us more than we love our kids. Right? That's how God wants us to approach Him. What would our prayers look like? What would your prayers look like if you really believed that God had that kind of love for you? I believe you would pray boldly. And you wouldn't have any trouble at all asking Him for anything. And then uh, the third key here that we've already touched on, but it's so important. It's the point that Jesus is making. We're to pray with persistence. And those of you that have kids... <laughs> you know exactly how persistent they can be, right? I mean, think about it. Uh, they will wear you out. That's their goal is to wear you down, asking you over and over and over again. For my kids, no was not an answer. It was an invitation to begin negotiations, right? I mean, because that's how kids are. But seriously, Jesus makes it clear here in these two parables that the reason God answers these requests sometimes is because of the persistence of the one who is asking. Uh, again, in the book of Acts, we see that they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They didn't just mention one time, God, we would love to see people saved in our community and then pick up their Jesus is Calling devotional and read one page and put it down and then go on about their business. And I'm not saying that's bad. All right? I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But they prayed for 10 days and 3,000 people were saved. Right? Uh, and, and so I, I believe Jesus' point is clear here. If he's not answering, keep praying. Right? I mean, is that not the point to, to what he's trying to teach us? Here in Luke chapter 11, he's saying, Look, you asked me to teach you how to pray. You asked me, how do we pray? So I'm telling you how to pray. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. You don't stop praying until you absolutely have to. You don't stop, you don't stop praying until... You do like my Jesus, my son Jesus did. And he prayed all the way until the last breath left his body. That's when you stop praying. Right? Don't stop. And, and so if, if you only hear one thing that I have to say up here to you this morning, if you're praying and you're praying and you don't have an answer yet, listen, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. 
He says, just ask and ask and ask (laughs) over and over and over again. So as we begin 2019, it's not about a resolution. It's about a relationship with Jesus and understanding how totally dependent we are on Him and how desperate we are for His help and His power in our lives and in our families and in our church. And in 2019, I want us to be known as people of prayer, people who pray desperately, people who pray boldly, people who pray with persistence. Because I believe with all my heart that God wants to do some awesome things in our church. I believe He wants to do some awesome things in your life because He already has. But here's the deal. He's not finished. He's not finished. He's not finished with us or He would have taken us home. He's not finished with us yet. And so if we're not praying the way that He taught us to pray, we're missing out on an opportunity. We're missing out on a great opportunity to see God do something special and something awesome in our lives, in our families, in our world today. And so as we close uh, this morning in prayer, and uh, I want to open the altars to you this morning, and we, we, you know, we spend this time together. We call it family prayer time. But this morning as we close out in prayer, maybe this morning you have forgotten just how desperate you are for Him and His help and His strength and His power to work in your lives. Maybe you've forgotten how much God loves you and how much He cares for you and that He's watching over you and He knows every single thing about you and what's going on in your life. And He wants you to come to Him and let Him help you so that He can give you the help that you need to go through whatever it is that you're going through. Maybe you're here this morning and you've given up and you've just stopped praying. Maybe you've stopped praying altogether. Maybe you've stopped praying for that person or that situation because it seemed to be doing no good. And and this morning, He's made you more aware of the importance of persistent prayers, persistent praying in your life. So let's kick off this new year, this year, by doing exactly what He's taught us to do. And let's be people of prayer. And so this morning, I invite you to come if you would like to come pray. We've prayed persistently over this prayer chest, this box filled with names of people that we're, we're praying would receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And maybe some of you would like to come pray again over that box because God answers prayers, and He has, and He will. I invite you to come this morning as we close out this service and just make a commitment to prayer today. Maybe there's something this morning that you need to boldly approach Him with and persistently present it before God's throne because you're desperate for His help. You're desperate for His help. Let's all join together this morning as we have an awesome opportunity to approach His throne again.